0: Are Locked on pack. I feel like we can run the table. What are we do? Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: We're Locked on Packers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened they want to know why and how today's episode is brought to you by built bar built bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on to get 20 percent off your next order today on the show Chris Russell from Locked On Washington football team is here to talk about his experience with Joe Barry when he was the defensive coordinator, and Chris has some awesome insight there. I want to thank everyone who listened yesterday. Locked On today is my new baby, and we dropped it in the feed without any warning. I wanted people to maybe be tricked into listening to it. No, and uh, we've gotten some really good feedback on it. So I want to thank everyone who listened to that. If you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, go back and do that. Locked On Today is a new show from the Locked On Podcast Network, of course. And people seem to really like it. They like the format. It's kind of sports center meets, you know, some of the daily shows that are out there for news. It is sports and it's um uh, i think a, a better distillation of all of the stuff that's going on than some of the shows that are out there now that really focus heavy on one topic and it's like well if i don't like that topic i'm not going to listen to your show this is for let's say a packers fan maybe you are one i don't know i would assume and It's hard for you to stay up to date on the NBA and baseball and hockey and what's going on in the WNBA and and tennis and golf and Olympic sports and all that stuff. This gets your day going right. It gets you ready to tackle the rest of your sports day without having to go on Twitter or without having to put on ESPN or NFL Network or or anything else. You're going to get the biggest stories, and that's the deal. This is an interesting thought experiment that I put together. Uh, at least I think, I think it's interesting. And I put it out on Twitter. And I was, I, I wasn't even, it wasn't even for the podcast. Um, but the results of the response that I got made me feel like we need to talk about this on the podcast. So I put out two mock drafts, an all offense mock draft and an all defense mock draft. And I said, pick one fix one side of the ball. And on the all-defense mock draft, I picked um, a corner, Asante Samuel on the first round, Dylan Moses, linebacker from Alabama in the second round, and Andre Cisco, safety from Syracuse in th- the third round. Okay, offense. The all-offense mock, I picked Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle from Oklahoma State in the first, Tutu Atwell, receiver from Louisville in the second, And Kenneth Gainwell, running back from Memphis in the third. I was shocked, shocked that almost everyone, frankly, picked the defensive mock. Almost everyone picked that mock. And the reason it surprised me is I've heard from a lot of fans over the last few weeks, especially since the Packers lost. Oh, you know, it was a lack of weapons and, you know, the Packers should have done X, Y, Z instead of Jordan Love and instead of uh, A.J. Dillon, instead of Josiah Deguara. And it's been a lot of focus on offense and receiver and skill talent and all that stuff. And yet, when given the option to put together uh, an all offense mock or an all defense mock, the vast majority of people leaned toward the defense. I think this is something that we really need to remember when we talk about team building, and when we come through this idea of, you know, look, I don't want to, I don't want to gild the lily on this going all in idea. Something that I have really harped over the years, and not just on this podcast, but but in things that I've written and and Twitter and and people who know me, that building a defense is as much a part of providing a quarterback with weapons as receivers, tight ends, running backs, offensive line. And moreover, when you look at Tom Brady's career, he's almost never not had really good defense. And this was another example of a Super Bowl win that was presented almost entirely because the defense played outstanding. The Bucs scored 31 points. They didn't need 31. They needed 10. okay. And if you go back and you look at points required to win, Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs has always needed 30-plus. And sometimes he's gotten 30-plus and he needed 40. It is certainly the case that the Packers against the Bucks in the NFC Championship game didn't score in the second half in, in back-to-back drives where they had interceptions and they had a chance to go tire take the lead. That is undoubtedly true, and, and some additional offensive firepower probably helps them get into the end zone in those situations. But over the course of the game, the defense didn't play well enough. The first half... I mean, that play call at the end of the first half is ultimately the nail in Mike Patton's coffin for his job in Green Bay. I mean, there's there's really no two ways about it because the defense in the second half played pretty well. It was that touchdown that was the, the moment that Green Bay could not overcome because it was that score that ultimately provided the decisive points green bay scored enough you know if if the bucks get to 24 hey green bay's in great position but that touchdown that touchdown is a huge problem it's a huge problem it's that one play it's that one position that you get into and it can be the difference between winning an NFC title game and losing an NFC title game. And when you look at what the, the Bucks were able to do, it's not just the linebackers, it's the front. They had the extra pass rusher. When they got Vita Vea back, that was everything. You know, you have JPP, you have Shaq Barrett, you have Indama Kinsu. You get Vea back and all of a sudden you're unblockable. You add Devin White as a blitzer who's incredible. You get Carlton Davis and Jamal Dean in the second round. You know, if Josh Jackson is Jamel Dean, he's playing over Kevin King and they win. I mean, sometimes it is that easy. Now, that's not how this works, obviously. But this is, I think, something that we have to keep in mind when we're looking at off-seasons and evaluating off-seasons. Two years ago, Green Bay spent a ton of money on pass rushers and on Adrian Amos. And they made the defense a lot better. And they, they the year before that, they had gone all in. Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander, Oren Burks. Well, one of those players is freaking awesome and the other two can't get on the field. Well, when you have an all-pro caliber player as one of them, that's a big hit. And then you created the extra first-round pick that got you Darnell Savage the next year. He is someone who genuinely could be an all-pro. That's how good he is. So now you—that's your—that's your basis. You are, you know, maybe one more defensive playmaker. Whether it's a defensive lineman who can rush the passer, whether it's a linebacker who can affect the game in the passing game, or who is an expert. You know, Devin White is not a great cover linebacker. In fact, has been lost for large parts of his NFL career over the last few years. Even this year when he was terrific as a blitzer, terrific as um, someone who's fitting the run and coming downhill and playing sideline to sideline with his hair on fire. He was great doing that. In coverage, you can take advantage of him. Levante David is a much better cover linebacker than Devin White right now. You don't need someone who can do all three of those things. Green Bay, you know, if they got a Desmond Bishop type, a downhill guy who was a consistent threat as a blitzer, That's someone you have to account for. They're just one guy short on defense. And maybe it's Rashawn Gary. Because his ceiling is unlimited. And maybe he can become, in this defense, someone who can consistently beat one-on-one blocks and become a force rushing the passer, just running through people. We'll see. We'll see. We don't know what that's going to look like right now. In the draft, if you can find... Another overhang defender, we talked about this earlier in the week, whether it's a safety, whether it's a linebacker, someone who can run, or someone who can affect the passer in some way, whether it's in coverage or as a blitzer, that guy is incredibly valuable. If you can add another DB, someone who can help Darnell Savage not have to always play deep, who can help Adrian Amos not have to always play deep, or have to not always play in the box, you want to be able to have multiple guys. I mean, some people were like, hey, why would you draft a safety and some of these mocks that you're doing, and it's because three safeties is probably gonna be the base defense for this team, especially if you know your your nickel corner doesn't show some, some more improvement. So that's just something that I think we have to keep into consideration here. If the Packers go out and have a draft, like a lot of you seem to want, that is all defense, we can't also then after come on and say, well, they didn't do anything to help Aaron Rodgers. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. By helping the defense be better, you are helping your quarterback because you are lowering, theoretically, the number of points that you need to score to win the game. That's what Tampa did this year for Tom Brady in a lot of cases. It's what they've done his entire career, and it's why he's won so many games in large part. He's a great quarterback, no question, but... His defenses have made it easier for him to win these games. They've kept him in games where he's played poorly in the first half. So he can make these second-half comebacks, these fourth-quarter comebacks, and he's the best ever at it. Well, maybe Aaron Rodgers would be better at it if in games where his defense didn't play well in the first half, they'd play a little bit better in the second half. They did it in the NFC Championship game, and they couldn't get it done offensively. But maybe, maybe if you got a little bit better defensively, It's not quite so hard for your offense in the second half. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They've got a new flavor. I can't tell you what it is yet, but it is unbelievable. They sent me a box. I was floored, blown away legitimately by just how good they were, and they've got so many great flavors, salted caramel, double chocolate, peanut butter, brownie. They're all 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're great for someone who's worried about their health. Some people are fine just putting whatever in their body. I'm not. Uh, I, I try and worry about that stuff. Sometimes I'm more diligent about it than others. These bars Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Plus, right now, when you use the promo code locked on, you'll get 20% off your next order.
0: That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. David Harrison here, the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store
1: all right. Let's get to our conversation with my friend, Chris Russell. Uh, he is the host of Locked On Washington football team. Uh, he also does a bunch of other things, does local radio in the DMV. And so you can find a lot of what he does if you're looking for it all over the place. Um, at Russell 621 is the best place to make sure you're down with all of the things that he's putting out there. Chris, thanks for coming on Locked On Packers. You got it, Peter. Thanks for having me as always. So we have a little bit of a connection right now, and that is that the Packers new defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, his last stop as the defensive coordinator was, of course, in Washington before they were the professional football team. Um, (laughs) And his tenure there
2: uh, went over about as well as the old nickname for the team. Yeah. Um, So this is, you know, this is a tough one for me, uh, Peter, because I am extremely, extremely fond uh, personally of Joe Barry. you know, I got to know him fairly well uh, in the two years that he was here. I, I just yep. ran into him at FedEx Field when the Los Angeles Rams, one of his former teams, uh, was in town in October. And we got a chance to chat from a distance because, <laughs> you know, of uh, COVID protocols. But he's sure. such a good man. He's such a good person. Uh, I, You know. Unfortunately, I I think um, there's going to be, you know, just from a football sense, there's going to be some head-scratching moments and some times where, you know, I'm sure Packer fans are uh, going to, again, be uh, very perplexed, confused, upset, alarmed, what have you. I think some of those criticisms, quite honestly, Peter, are overrated. Um, You know, I I, I look at it from this sense. Um, You know, Joe didn't have really anything to work with for the most part in both washington and in detroit forget about detroit that was so long ago that's a winless team right and everybody blames him you know in washington in 2015 2016 the two years that he was here you know again he did have josh norman for 2016 and and that helped i'm not going to say it but in 2015 you know, he want, he helped them win a division title, and, and no, the defense wasn't dominant, but he helped them win a division title, Peter, without really anything to cook dinner with, quite honestly. <laughs> and, and I'm just being as honest as I can. So yeah. the numbers were out of whack and out of rhythm, but, you know, you can only do so much as a coach.
1: That's true, and, and I was actually going back and looking at some of those rosters, and I'm like, okay, so it's Ryan Kerrigan and? Yes,
2: Yeah. And and that's about it. Now, they tried to sign Junior Gallette. He was hurt the second he got here and never played for Joe Barry. As a matter of fact, never played in his first two years under contract with the Washington football team. They did have Ryan Kerrigan. You're right. I mentioned they added Josh Norman in free agency late in 2016. Now, You know, outside of that, I mean, were there pieces? Yeah, but there was no Jonathan Allen. There was no Montez Sweat. There was no Deron Payne. There was no Chase Young. There was no uh, Kendall Fuller until um, I think Kendall's... Well, I think actually Kendall's rookie year was was Joe's last year here in Washington. I'll have to double check that. I I believe that was 2016. I could be wrong. Kendall was a disaster in 2000 in his rookie year, whatever year it was. Listen, there are some fair criticisms if we're being honest, right? I think Joe has to get a little bit more creative with some of his blitz packages. I think Joe has to take some more chances and not be as conservative. I think Joe has to really, especially because he inherits a defense in Green Bay, and I'm sure you've talked about this. That has some talent, right? I mean, it's not like he's taken over a barren wasteland uh, here. And, you know, um, and again, I'm sure I'm guessing it's come up. You know, he was Preston Smith's first NFL defensive coordinator. And there were some times there where Joe really, 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 really had to crack the whip. And a lot of people had to crack the whip on Preston Smith to wake him up and get him to practice hard and train hard and work hard and behind the scenes. So, you know, there's a lot of connections here.
1: Yeah, I wonder what will be the 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 behind-the-scenes part of that with Green Bay because Preston Smith is a big contract in 2021. And to your point, uh, there was uh, an issue there of maximizing talent. We know the, the talent that Preston Smith has. He really only has one year in his career where we saw him put up the numbers mm-hmm. to commensurate with his talent. So if the Packers do keep Preston Smith at his cap number or they rework the deal or whatever, you have to believe Joe Barry had an influence to say, I believe in the kid and and we're gonna try and make this work. You you mentioned your fondness for for Coach Barry off the top as a person. Mm-hmm. And there had to have been something. That Sean McVay in that time period saw in Joe Barry enough to say, I'm the head coach in L.A. now and I want you on my staff with, by the way, the assistant head coach title as well. So what do you think McVay saw, even though those defenses weren't great?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, So I'll just rewind. Um, They were both. Uh, They both exited the Washington football franchise after the 2016 season. Joe was fired uh, and, 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 and and Sean obviously got the LA Rams job. So that's how they kind of hooked up in Los Angeles. Joe's got some deep connections to Southern California. He was at USC. Uh, He's USC product, all of that. Uh, And, you know, um, I think, from what I understand and what I remember, and you're going to have to forgive me because, you know, you have, as you know, Peter, you have so many conversations with people, you know, (laughs) You know some things kind of mishmash together. I think Sean, you know, going up against Joe in, in terms of Sean being the offensive coordinator here in Washington for Joe's two years and 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 the defensive coordinator there. I think he had you know respect for the structure and the soundness, if you will, of Joe's scheme and a three four scheme that he was running. Uh, and it could be multiple. And obviously, we know that within a three four scheme, at at times it, it looks like a four three scheme anyway. Um, and again, I, I think for the most part with very, very, very limited talent. And again, it's not to say they had no talent, but limited talent. I thought he thought, I thought Sean, and I remember having a conversation, uh, with Sean at, at at one point, you know, and just him talking about coach Barry's defense gives us a good challenge every day. You know, now sometimes that's coach speak, but Mm -hmm. Sean was, you know, privately, um, you know, Sean was was more praiseworthy than certainly the media, certainly fans, certainly the perception of Joe Barry. And obviously he proved that by hiring him. Now, we should point out he did not hire him when he got the head coach as the defensive coordinator because Wade Phillips was the choice there. And he was able to recruit Wade Phillips, which I think was attractive to the Rams. But it, it's interesting because Wade Phillips and Joe Barry, Joe Barry came up through Wade Phillips system. you know. Right. Right. And I think, I, I, I think there's so many connections. And, and to your point, like Sean kept him around. Now he interviewed for a couple of defensive coordinator positions. He chose to stay with the Rams instead of going back to USC. He did ultimately go, I guess, to the Chargers for a week or whatever it was uh, with uh, with their new head coach Brandon Staley. But. I think Sean looked at Joe as a guy who could not only coordinate a defense and not only coach linebackers and oversee that group, but help the team in general with game management and all that stuff. Um, And I think that's part of what Joe brings to the table to help Matt LaFleur. Hey, you know what? We might want to go for it here on fourth and goal from the eight, as you know, with Aaron Rodgers, as opposed to kicking the field goal and only going down by five. I'm not saying he absolutely will, but you know what? another seasoned mind doesn't hurt the overall operation on both sides of the football.
1: Yeah. I went back in and I didn't know this because I wasn't deep into the Washington football scene enough to know this at the time, Wade Phillips was a candidate for the DC position when Joe Barry got it.
2: Wasn't he? Yes. Yes, he was absolutely. uh, So I'll rewind even further for you in Wade's one year out before he, uh, before Joe got the job, Uh, Wade was around the team, and and the reason why I know that is because I I traveled with the team in 2014, that one year before Joe came around and Jim Hazlitt's last year, and Wade Phillips was out uh, from his time in Houston, if memory serves me correct, and Wade, his son, Wes Phillips, was the tight ends coach of the Washington football team, and now he's with the Rams, and Wade very much wanted to be the defensive coordinator of the Washington Redskins then in 2014. 15 and he was around us the organization at the team hotel Uh, I remember running into him in Houston and whatever so yeah he absolutely wanted to be a part of that staff and they interviewed him and of course the fans wanted him real bad Jay Gruden then a second year coach wanted to go with somebody that he had a little bit of familiarity with from their time in Tampa uh, which became a stigma unfortunately Joe Barry could never overcome and number two maybe somebody with younger fresher hipper ideas and joe barry was more a players relatable coach which was kind of how joe gruden uh J- joe gruden, gruden was so i think joe barry uh even though he's not a young guy quote unquote um i think he relates well the players i know i've spoken to many players that played under him during those two years uh and and they respect him and they like him and here's another connection for you peter that i just remembered uh i shouldn't say i just remembered but You know, not only was Matt LaFleur and Matt LaFleur was gone by the time um, Joe Barry came here, but Daryl Franklin is the chief of staff for Matt LaFleur. Uh, He was here during that time for a little bit when Joe Barry was here, number one. Number two, Kirk Olivadavi, who's the current Green Bay linebackers coach, uh, was back for a second tour of duty with the Washington football team slash Redskins uh, during that period where Joe Barry was the defensive coordinator. So clearly, I would think Kirk Olivadotti and Joe Barry have at least a chemistry and a connection that allowed this particular move, uh, you know, to to happen the way it did. And and now you've got two coaches, presumably uh, in sync, that have worked together in Washington for a couple of seasons on Green Bay staff.
1: Will Blackman went on Twitter and said, he was asked about his impression of Joe Barry, and he said that that Barry is passionate. And he posted this great photo of of Will running down the sidelines. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> of Will running down the sidelines, and Barry is running next to him, basically down the sidelines. Uh, Matt Lafleur said one of the reasons why he felt like a change needed to be made was because the defense wasn't playing with the kind of energy and Mm -hmm. verve and swarm mentality that it needed. And presumably Joe Barry, um, at least LaFleur thinks is going to do that in your experience. Is there evidence that you've seen that someone like Barry, who is apparently this passionate sort of high energy guy could come in and, and maybe stoke the flames a little bit for this Packers defense.
2: Yeah, I think he's going to help. Now, is he a rah-rah shish guy screaming and jumping <laughs> up and down like Robert Sala? No, he's not that guy. That That's not Joe Barry. So if Green Bay Packer fans want that, that's not what they're going to get. Is he a high-energy, high-motor guy? Absolutely. freaking I Let me just say this, and again, uh, I'm sure Green Bay Packer fans are going to get mad at me, you know, eventually uh, when, when, when they don't like something. This dude is a good coach He's a good man And I think this is a good hire Again, will he make them A championship defense A bunch of piranhas on defense Probably not Probably not. But I think he will give them A little kick in the fanny I think he will be much more aggressive This time around Now again, you can be as aggressive as you want From a mental standpoint But just because you're the defense coordinator Doesn't mean you always get to do Ultimately what you want to do, right? The head coach still has ultimate authority or yeah. ultimate overruling. And if Matt LaFleur wants to be conservative in a spot, Joe Barry wants to be aggressive or vice versa. I mean, you might have some issues there, but I think juice, I think energy, I think pep, I think, um, you know, kind of doing things at a more brisk pace, a little more of a, uh, a high, uh, high energy. Yes. Um, I think that's what Joe Barry brings to the table. And, I would also add this again. Remember, one of the criticisms here, um, one of the criticisms here was that Joe was not aggressive enough and he didn't gamble enough, Peter. I think by going back around for another time and working with Wade Phillips and, and, and developing a really aggressive defense in los angeles and then also working with staley who you know comes in one year and everybody praises him and he gets the chargers head coaching job i think that has made probably joe a little bit more aggressive now listen when you don't have jalen ramsey and aaron donald um you know you can't be as aggressive maybe as they were able to be in los angeles but again it's not like he enters green bay with the cupboards empty uh so i think you will see a more aggressive more blitz more blitzes from the corner I remember that was a problem like they didn't take advantage of that enough until late I believe in that 2016 season Peter where they started blitzing guys from the nickel slot and Josh Norman off the edge and it started to work and I think Joe has probably learned and developed that more as a coach Uh, and being around more aggressive guys like Wade Phillips for a second time like Staley in Los Angeles for just last year like Sean McVay a little bit more aggressive and up-tempo.
1: Last thing on this, Chris, and and you've been awesome on this. I really appreciate your insight. Brandon Staley, you mentioned, ends up bringing Joe Barry from the L.A. staff to Mm -hmm. the other L.A. staff from the Rams to the Chargers with uh, a promotion and title doesn't make him the defensive coordinator. But here's the thing that I go back to on this. This was a new defense Brandon Staley was putting in, in terms of what they were doing on the back end, the base coverages, the the different two high safety stuff that they're doing. That's not usually how Wade Phillips wanted to play. In one year, Joe Barry did enough for Brandon Staley to say, come with me to my next job. Mm-hmm. Is that surprising to you?
2: No, no, not at all. And, Uh, You know, I I think it speaks highly of Joe that not only he got that invite, but Sean, again, really wanted him to stay. And then on top of that, Matt LaFleur, who did work with Sean, obviously, uh, in Washington and, you know, wanted him there. And again, Kirk Olivadotti, as I mentioned, and Daryl Franklin and the guys that I worked with and covered and know uh, and and, and maintain some contact with. Um, You know, one thing I, I should add, you might hear this in 2016, Peter, if you'll allow me to just quickly expand on this. There was criticism early for how Joe used Josh Norman. Joe wanted him and Jay Gruden wanted him to be in more of a cover three and more of a zone corner, which, oh, by the way, is exactly what he excelled at in Carolina under Ron mm-hmm. Rivera. And when yep. he became a free agent and Red Redskins fans at that point or Washington football fans were furious that in the first game or two against Pittsburgh and Dallas in 2016 with Josh Norman, that Norman. Norman was lined up in zone more and not trailing Antonio Brown then and Des Bryant then in weeks one and two in man coverage. He wasn't a man corner. Joe Barry knew that he was Jay Gruden knew that that's not what they signed him to be. Yet everyone wanted him to be a man corner. And Josh Norman never was a good enough man corner, quite honestly, because he never had elite speed to trail around those guys. Now, they did make some adjustments and they did change some things up because they had to because Bashad Breeland was struggling because Bashad Breeland was too busy pouting that they gave money to Josh Norman instead of Bashad Breeland. But the point of the matter is, I think Joe Barry tried to use a guy like Josh Norman the way you're supposed to use him and got criticism unfairly. And he was right because Josh Norman isn't a man to man press corner. Josh Norman is a zone corner or a cover three corner. And that's how he tried to use him. So if that, you know, again, you know, Green Bay's personnel much, much, much better than me. Joe Barry's going to come in and identify what he's got what he can do how he can use it how he can deploy it and i hope i hope that green bay packer fans and and matt lafleur quite honestly will be patient and allow him to kind of grow and make those decisions together i
1: think we will see that i think that's what matt lafleur brought him in for chris this was awesome man thanks for coming on
2: yeah you got it peter sorry for being so uh so wordy but you know again joe barry is a good man and i think you guys made a good decision
1: All right. I want to thank Chris again for joining the show. Always great to talk to him. And I think he offered some really good, really important insight there. Um, He knows Joe Barry, the person. And I think that's important. And and so even, you know, it it doesn't prove that he's going to be a good coach, but I I think it's heartening when you look at the the people in your organization, the people that you're valuing, uh, that you want them to be good people. What's interesting is we haven't had, Uh, a meeting with Barry yet. He has not met with the press. And I was talking to another Packer media member about it the other day, and we were sort of speculating, you know, I wonder if it's because there are new coaches who are going to be added to the staff. Could there be some sort of senior hire made? You know, Mike Patton was hired by the, the Bears to be a senior consultant. Could the Packers bring in Wade Phillips? Could that be something that's on the table? We will see. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Just because the NFL is over does not mean that you have run out of stuff to bet on. The NBA night tonight is loaded with stuff. We've got an awesome golf tournament coming up this weekend. In fact, started yesterday, Pebble Beach, beautiful setting. Any excuse to watch anything happening at Pebble Beach is terrific. So go find something that you like to bet on and throw some money on it at betonline.ag. And right now, when you sign up for a free account and use the promo code locked on, you will get a 50% off welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action at betonline.ag.
3: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
1: All right, we'll be back next week. Awesome to have you this week. I uh, appreciate, again, everyone uh, reaching out and and saying, you know, that they they listened to the new show and that they liked it. Um, we have some more golf ball drawings that we got to do and send those out. Um, I also have to get those in the mail for those of you who are getting them. That means uh, if you haven't, you know, go review. Subscribe to Lockdown Packers. Give it a review. Do the same thing with Lockdown Today. Send it to me, and you will be entered to win. Uh, some Locked On Packers golf balls. We got a bunch of these still to give out. So hit me up, send me those reviews, and I will, if you're lucky, send you some golf balls. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.